I'd ran the day before I went into the hospital. I knew at that point that there was something wrong. It just didn't feel right. I've had people ask me if I thought about going for a run and it was just like, <laughs> yeah, there was, there was no way. I mean, I, I couldn't breathe, so I knew it was over. That was Derek Spafford, and this is episode 115 of the Inspired Souls podcast. Hi, I'm Carolyn, and I'm a roadrunner. And I'm Kim, and I'm a trail runner. Welcome to our podcast, where we bring the communities of trail and road running together and explore the parallels between running and life. From Yarker, Ontario, Derek Spafford is a 56-year-old competitive runner, coach, race director, and owner of Spafford Health and Adventure, offering Dion snowshoes and a very popular series of snowshoe races. But perhaps his biggest claim to fame is a 31-year and 25-day run streak that began on Boxing Day in 1989 and came to an abrupt end almost two years ago when he was diagnosed with and hospitalized for a pulmonary embolism. Throughout the course of his three-plus decade run streak, Derek competed in hundreds of races with distances ranging from 800 meters to 100 miles. While Derek has run his fair share of road races and track events, his love lies in the mountains and off the beaten path trails. In this conversation, we dug deep into his epic run streak, which at the time it ended was the third longest in Canada, as well as what inspires him to get out the door and move his body these days. So without further delay, please enjoy our conversation with Derek Spafford. Well, Derek Spafford, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with us tonight. Thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you have one heck of a story, and we're so excited to dive into it, or as much of it as we can with you tonight. But first, your name came up over and over and over again when I lived in Ontario. I lived in different parts of my life in Brockville and Belleville and Kingston, and uh a lot of people talked about Derek Spafford, particularly uh, you were my friend Heather's high school running coach, and you hosted one of my very favorite trail races, the Sydenham 8K in that area. So many many people I know enjoyed that and enjoyed your snowshoe race series. So I hope we'll get to talk about a lot of that stuff tonight. Um, more recently, your name came up when we were interviewing the uh, great Canadian explorer Ray Zahab, and we know you've done an expedition or two with him. So again, maybe we'll have time to touch on all of that. But why don't we begin with having you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Who are you? Where do you call home? What keeps you busy outside of running? Oh, okay. I've been a lifelong runner. I've started uh, running when I was when I was in grade seven, I guess. Uh, just uh, kind of got into it then uh, as conditioning for hockey. And then uh, I found that uh, I was enjoying running more than hockey and uh, switched to uh, running and have been pretty much running ever since. Um, I live in Yorker, Ontario. I coach a large number of runners, uh, have a, my own business now, a running-related business, Baffert Health and Adventure, that uh, aside from coaching, also organize some races I have a small online store that specializes uh, in mostly uh, snowshoe, running snowshoes, Dion running snowshoes, but also have started branching off into other products as well. So uh, I've been fortunate to uh, to have my passion be my job for a number of years now mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, enjoying it thoroughly. 
Yeah, you know you've won the lottery when it doesn't feel like work anymore, right? You just love what you do so much. That is right, yes. Amazing. Yeah, well, it's funny that you mentioned the hockey thing because that came up when I was doing my research on you. So I read that you preferred the dry land training in hockey more than the game itself. And maybe that triggered you like, huh, maybe maybe hockey isn't the path I should be going down. So what was it about running that you loved so much that you weren't getting from hockey? Well, I guess the the big thing was that uh, when I was playing hockey, you could have the best game of your life and uh, you could still end up uh, maybe as a team not doing as well. And I mean, I, I love team sports and they were a lot of fun and, uh, and everything, but uh, I like the whole idea of getting out of it what you sort of put into it your own, your, yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's kind of why I got into running and I could just kind of do my own thing and... Uh, you know, run as hard as you can. And, uh, you know, if you're have a great race, then, uh, that it was all you. And if it was, uh, maybe not as good a race, then you sort of look at ways to, uh, improve that individually. So, uh, so that's kind of what, uh, bridged me over to, uh, to running from, uh, from hockey. Although I'm still a huge hockey fan, but, uh, I just don't play. The true Canadian. Oh yes. Oh yes. Go, go Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> So we've heard that from so many people that what they love about running is that they get out of it what they put into it or something along those lines. And so tell us a little bit more maybe about how that went for you as you went along in your running journey. Like you went over there to go, okay, if if I have a crappy race, it's all on me, right? Uh, If I work hard, then I get better. So what was your trajectory of, of kind of improvement as a runner? Initially, it was, uh, you, know, you can kind of improve pretty quickly. I mean, I, I went, got into running being fairly fit from hockey, and I'd done some strength training as well with that, and then, the, of course, the endurance stuff for, uh, for hockey as well. And I just found myself really enjoying that part, uh, that aspect of it. I guess early on, I was more, you would see the improvement so quickly. So it was, you know, the classic um, beginner mistake. Uh, you'd go out and think, okay, I'm going to do this five mile run or whatever. And I'm going to try to run faster like every single day. And then of course you <laughs> deal with a lot of injuries along the way. But, uh, but I mean, I, I, I enjoyed seeing the improvement uh, over a, a very short period of time initially. And I also started doing, a, you know, in high school, I was doing, I did some half marathons as well before, you know, kind of during track season, which is not, of course, very smart, but, uh, <laughs> I was just, you know, really taken by running and just, you know, fully on board with it and just loved it. So, uh, so I always thought the more the better. And um, yeah, I had a great time doing it. And I guess growing up on a farm too, I, I enjoyed running trails a little bit more. Um, I've always been a little bit more of a trail runner than a road runner, even when I was racing more on the roads. So it just really spoke to me and I just fell in love with the sport at a young age and still do. Yeah. So did you ever fall in love with the sport? So one of your um, most significant claims to fame is that you recently um, completed a 31-year and 25-day run streak that began on Christmas Day, Boxing Day in 1989. Am I correct? That's correct, yes. So that would put me in high school and you (laughs) somewhere in your mid-20s. 25, I think, if I'm doing the math correctly. Oh, God. Um, 
Yeah, I can't even think back that far when I started. <laughs> I remember the year 1989, and I was born in 66. So uh, yeah. okay, well maybe maybe I'm doing a little bit of bad math, but I know Brian Mulroney was PM at the time, which is a long time ago. A lot oh, has gosh, happened in well. Canada since then. So. My question to you, first and foremost, when you hear that somebody ran every single day, which is what a run streak is, like running every single day for 31 years plus, why? Why? Oh, gosh. I just, I mean, just, I love the sport. I loved how, uh, and as I said, initially it was more about being competitive, but, uh, and just trying to improve. But then, and I don't know exactly when it happened, but I guess just loving being out in the trails and being in the woods and uh, just experiencing nature. And it, it, it was kind of always something different every day. I don't know if I lived in a big city and if I had to run pavement every day, if the streak would have lasted as long. But just, I mean, the nature aspect uh, really spoke to me. I just always felt better once I got back uh, from a run than, you know, before going out. So it's, uh, it just always was a, a big part of my day. And I didn't really go into the streak thinking that uh, it was going to be something that I was, you know, going to do every day for however, for 31 years, <laughs> but uh, it just kind of happened. And the main idea behind it was that I was wanting to be more consistent in my training. And that's why I started it, you know, and that certainly helped uh, at that point. But then, uh, um, it sort of took on a life of its own after a while. And... So I know you took a different approach than the typical minimum one mile per day. I think it was 20 minutes was your minimum you required of yourself each day. Yes. yes. Um, so why did you choose that? And I know many days you did much more than that, which we'll get into here shortly, but why was 20 minutes your, your personal minimum? And when would you do 20 minutes versus longer days? Well, I've always kind of gone by time with uh, my training instead of uh, uh, mileage. I've always felt that with, uh, you know, for trail and ultra running and, you know, really in general, um, I thought time was a, a good approach to take because, I mean, you can go out and run a hilly course and it would be for an hour and you run on a flat course and, you know, you're running different distances, but might have a similar sort of uh, uh, training effect. So, uh, but a mile it was sort of the minimum for a running streak. So I sort of thought, well, I mean, a really slow jog could be like, you know, 15 minutes or more or, or, you know, less even. So if I, you know, had 20 minutes as my minimum, that just to me sort of felt like a run, even on a day when, you know, you were, you know, just trying to take a recovery day. So that's why I would sort of stick with that. Um, I found that with uh, days that I needed to, where I probably should have taken a day off if I was sick or dealing with an injury or anything like that. that those would be my 20 minute days or like the day after a hundred mile race. So it was just like the last thing you feel like doing is going for a run. But, uh, you know, if you can hobble your way through a 20 minute run, it's, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's not too bad. So. Yeah. Well, I have to imagine on, especially those days when you're sick, right? Like you're, vomiting or you've got a fever of 104 or whatever it is like those days have got to be super challenging to get out the door like talk to us about some of those moments because I'm sure over 31 years there had to have been one or two of those moments yeah I've uh I mean I've always I guess had issues even when I was a kid I, I always ended up getting sick a fair amount and uh whenever I got sick I had a would get a really really high fever 
and uh, so those were uh, those were some of the days that were just you know brutal to try to get out there with you know a fever of 104 um, stomach issues and uh, when I was younger I had the condition called Stevens Johnson syndrome which uh, made it very very uncomfortable and uh, to get out for a run but uh, you know getting out for 20 minutes was uh, felt like a marathon on those days but uh, mm. but you're able to do it and uh, you know there, there are a lot of days when you you really shouldn't have and you know as a coach now it's I would <laughs> never recommend those but uh, I usually treated it basically like a rest day you know on those days when I, I shouldn't have gone out I would uh, just you know go for a super easy jog and just try to get a little bit of time on my legs just for the sake of the streak so I'm curious you know you started this when you were pretty much in the prime of your life like your mid-20s and you mentioned that you when you were young got a lot of fevers and were sick as you continued through life as well as on this streak I'm wondering did you find you got sick less like did your immune system actually get better just from you know the consistent exercise and having good habits yeah I you know I think so I was committed to the streak and you know I wasn't going to go out and party every night or anything because you would uh, mm-hmm. you know you mm-hmm. would know that you're going to be running the next day going for uh, mm-hmm. you know going for a decent run so uh, you know that contributed contributed to a little bit more of a healthy lifestyle I think Right. And that helped. Now, at, you know, having said that, at times I was, when I was training, you know, especially, ironically enough, uh, running shorter distances on the track and on the roads when I was trying to really work on my speed, and you're sort of training that fine line and, and you know, doing your really intense workouts a couple times a week and, you know, racing and long runs and that type of thing, that was probably tougher on my system and I was getting sicker then. Um, then when I was running, you know, twice as much mileage training for hundred mile races or, you know, that type of thing. So it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. interesting in that sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, over 31 years and you live in a place that gets a very cold winter and lots of snow and very hot summer. Like what were, what would kind of be filed under some of the most difficult days that you had, whether it was weather related or your like illness yourself, like what sort of stands out as a, Oh, that was a horrible day. Oh gosh. Yeah. There were a few days. The, uh, the the first, uh, excuse me, the first hundred mile race that I did, um, I was fortunate enough because the race started at six in the morning and then ended, um, of course, hundred miles. And my time was 1842. So technically, I started the run in the morning, and then I ended at uh, 42 minutes after midnight. So I got my run in the second day, so I didn't have to actually run on the Sunday of the race I started on a Saturday, because I actually finished after midnight. So I was lucky that year, but then I I came back, it was the Halliburton 100 miler, and I came back the next year, and I had a really good race, and uh, ended up running faster, so I finished of course, before midnight. And so uh, (laughs) having to finish the race and you're hobbling around and then you have to drive home and it's just like, oh crap, I have to go for a run. (laughs) You made me think about something though. Like, did you ever work the calendar, the clock a little bit to get yourself a bit more rest? That's what I was wondering. Okay, I ran this evening and I'm going to run 20 more minutes after midnight so I have a full 24-hour break. Yeah. (laughs) Tired. 
Yeah, not really. I mean, I've cut it pretty close a couple of times with, uh, you know, finishing a, a, you know, starting a run at like 1130. There was one time um, I was coming back from a three day stage race in, uh, in the Northwest Territories in the winter. And uh, I was exhausted and had to leave at five o'clock in, um, in the morning. I didn't get a run in that morning. So I had to get a run in that night and i was driving home got it got in the airport in toronto drove to belleville and uh snowstorm and i'd come down with a fever actually after the race oh, no. and i was looking at my watch and it's just like 11 20 p.m and i hadn't run yet so i pulled into the you'll know where this is uh carolyn the quinty yeah. mall i pulled into oh, the, yes. <laughs> the quinty mall parking lot and did my 20 minute run as i was sick and uh oh and so that, that was the closest i ever got to uh you know the witching hour as we called it right but to get back to your original question yeah there, there have been times where i would do like a earlier morning run uh, on the one day and then do a later run in the evening the next day. So you're sort of stretching mm-hmm. out the recovery right. a little bit. So. Right. Mm-hmm. Because you were defining the day as the like 24 hours on that particular day, like a Saturday, right? So you could yes. have run Friday morning at, you know, midnight or like one in the morning on the Friday and then not have to run until, you know, 11 p.m. on the Saturday, and then you're getting more than 24 hours. So that's Mm -hmm. technically, okay, cool. Because there is a place that that keeps track of these run streaks. Isn't there like a website? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Um, I think it's runeveryday.com. I haven't checked it somehow (laughs) since my streak ended. I haven't uh, uh, gone back and looked at it um, too closely. But but yeah, uh, they do keep track of it and uh, of all the, like, all the streakers and the records that they have. And uh, like Ron Hill, of course, uh, was the granddaddy of uh, the streakers at 52 years. So pretty amazing. Wow. And I I was reading about Ron Hill. So did he get surpassed by that other guy, John Sutherland? Did John Sutherland end up breaking Ron Hill's or is, does Ron Hill still hold the record? You know, I'm not 100% sure. That's a really good question. And I should know that. But if he did surpass Ron Hill, then, uh, you know, it was just, I think, probably in the last year or so. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as I said, I, have, I probably haven't paid as close as attention since my streak has stopped. So, uh, but, uh, but yeah, well, it, it'd be close. I, I just Googled it, guys. Is At least it says here, as of January 29 of 2022, John Sutherland did surpass oh, Ron Hill. Okay. He's at 52.7 years. Oh, there we go. Well, that's awesome. Ron Hill was at 52.1. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's a uh, lot of years. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, you think about Ron Hill. I mean, he was uh, not only was it, you know, about the running streak that he had, but I mean, he won Boston Marathon in 69. Right. And, uh, you know, all of his credentials, uh, you know, high Olympic placings and, uh, you know, other marathons and times, just a phenomenal runner. But uh, it was pretty neat that he could uh, put that streak together, too. Definitely. Okay, well, whew, like we could go in a number of directions from here, but just staying on the run streak for a minute, because you, you alluded to the fact that it has come to an end. So we want to dig into that. But staying on the streak for a second, could you have ever imagined on Boxing Day, in 1989 that it would have gone on for as long as it did oh gosh no i, I uh <laughs> not at all it, and it's it's kind of interesting because i 
I had started a streak the previous year, and I think I got to 100. I'll have to check my training logs, but I think I got to like 100 days or 125 days or something, and then I got sick. And then uh, in December and missed a few days, but then uh, I started up and, and then, yeah, I didn't really think, uh, I just kind of wanted to see how many days I could get in a row and, you know, try to improve my running with being more consistent and, you know, see where it took me. But yeah, I did not expect it to last that long for sure. So the fact though, is that it did last that long. And I'm really curious, how did you stay motivated? What was it? that drew you out the door day after day after day? Well, initially it was just, I, I wanted to get better. And uh, I was never, you know, you know, my 10K times and stuff were never like super fast. Like I, you know, got under 33 minutes once. And uh, and that might have even been a short course back in the day. They weren't uh, <laughs> as uh, accurately measured as they are now. But uh, I, I still wanted to see how fast I could get. And uh, so that was the, the main motivation early on. And just to sort of, uh, you know, see how it would help my running. And uh, I'd read uh, enough about Ron Hill, too. And he, I mean, he was always uh -huh. a, a hero, just what he was able to accomplish. And, uh, you know, his books are definitely, if you get a chance to read them, they're great. They're uh, pretty long drawn out uh basically like his training log you're reading, but uh, really, really interesting. And they're tough to find, but, uh, but gr very good reading. Okay. Do you have a, the name of that book? Oh, there was a part one and a part two. And let's see what Google says. Yeah. Kim <laughs> to the Google machine. <laughs> okay. Here you go. Long, hard road. Yes, nearly yes. to the top part yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. Part one and part two. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. were both phenomenal reads. It's uh, yeah. Pretty interesting. Okay, so you said that when the run streak began, you weren't necessarily setting out with the intention of doing a run streak no. for 31 years. But I have to imagine that at some point, it begins to take on a life of its own. Like when you've been doing it for three years, four years, and then you get that illness and you're like, oh, but if I don't run today, then the streak is over. So did you find that that began to happen? Like I know a few people that have done run streaks before and nowhere near as long as yours. And they say that that happens fairly early on, like even after 30 days. Yeah, I think it was probably after about a year that uh, that, that mm -hmm. sort of started setting in my mind that, uh, you know, this is something that I kind of want to keep doing and see how long I can take it. And uh you know, see what happens. So uh, at that point, you know, you start thinking, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to take a day off. And there are times where you think, okay, well, you know, maybe I'm not feeling great or, you know, a bit of an injury. But, you know, as I said, if you just take an easy 20 minute jog, you can, you know, you can usually, you know, get through a, a pretty short and easy run and it doesn't you know, do yeah. too much harm. So motion is lotion. As exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So you decided this in your head, but there were other people around you, friends, eventually family, um, that were experiencing this uh, in a way with you. Um, is there, you know, what kind of feedback did you get from them? And was there anything that people didn't understand or get wrong about the run streak endeavor? I mean, I guess a lot of people who don't understand the sport and even people who did understand, I, I'd never, I'd had people sort of coach me a little bit through high school but you know after that it was pretty much self-taught so 
it wasn't really, I, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, people from that, uh, from that perspective who were, you know, were, who were frowning upon uh, my run streak at all. Certainly, uh, you know, family sort of questioned it at times, uh, you know, mothers as mothers will do. Uh, uh, of course, I do. You, what are you, <laughs> what are you doing to yourself? I mean, if you're, if you're sick and, you know, hauling yourself out for a run and, and stuff, yeah. but uh <laughs> Did you ever get anybody genuinely try to convince you to stop? Oh, there have been a lot of people that say, well, just, uh, you know, think what maybe you could do if you took uh, a recovery day or maybe it would help your running. And, uh, you know, just trying to to throw that into the the conversation. But, uh, I mean, I I was... There were no outright interventions. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, gosh, no, no. I mean, most most people were pretty supportive and you know even through the years later and uh you know i see people who uh who have streaks now and uh you know talking to them about theirs and uh, you know it's pretty neat i i think that mm-hmm. most people think that it, it was uh, you know something kind of unique and yeah for mm-hmm. sure well i think i think i read at one point you'd gotten yourself up to you were ranked third in canada you'd had the third longest running streak in canada at one point is that true Yes. Yeah. At the time that uh, my streak ended, uh, I'd had the third longest. And I, I don't I don't know a whole lot about the person who um, is listed as the top streak um, in Canada. Okay. I think he's from Quebec and I can't remember his name now. But I remember the other okay. uh, gentleman was, I think, is a dentist in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. So. Huh. Yeah. So we've talked a little bit about what uh, a quote short day looked like for you, the 20 minutes and when you would do that. But what I find equally fascinating is how much you would run on some of your highest mileage days. So I read that you often logged, you know, 90 minutes to two hours, which many people would consider a long run right? A lot of runners go out and a long run is anywhere between 90 minutes and two hours. But some weeks in your, you know, the the peak of your running streak, you got up to running for over 20 hours a week. Is this true? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, when I was... Break down 20 hours of running for me, please. Uh, yeah, when I was when I was trying to run my fastest hundred milers, I, I would get up to the, you know, the 20 hour range. And there was a few weeks where I got little bit higher than that too um mm-hmm. but uh, usually it would be one to two long runs um and they could be a long run could be up to like seven hours um on a hilly trail for the one day another day could be you know three to four hours uh most days during the week it would be double runs and i would i would run maybe 90 minutes in the morning and then i could you know do you know, another half hour, 45 minutes at night. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, you start stacking those days together and, you know, it certainly adds up. Um, I try to take one or two days, usually Mondays and Fridays would be, you know, a little bit less, but then uh, load up more on the other days. So, yeah. Wow. That's a lot of running. 20 hours a week of running. Yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. blows my mind. Like I, I have people in my life. This is the funny part is that people in my life think I run a lot and I run like 2000 miles a year, like nothing, you know, like I shouldn't say nothing, but like, that's just not what, what would you be averaging? Did you track annual mileage? Yeah, I've always uh, gone by time. So, I mean, I, I've been using uh, uh, hmm. GPS watches probably since, uh, um, 
oh gosh, probably 2010, maybe earlier. I can't rem- really remember. But even when I was when I had some of the early GPS watches, uh, I was still going by time. So I never really, okay. never really paid attention to mileage. I mean, I kind of okay. estimate, uh, you know, how how long I would be running in terms of mileage. But I mean, I'm I'm running on a lot of technical trails that. Uh, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm you know, hilly and, you know, rocky, rooty, Canadian, right. Canadian shield stuff. Right. So it's, uh, you know, yeah. it's tough to it doesn't up. really convert. Yeah. Does it, but no. you know, I guess if we're going back to my example, like I might run seven or eight hours a week. Yeah. Right. So this is two and a half times that much. So I guess, you know, take my 2000 miles and <laughs> go two and a half times. So you're, you're looking at quite a lot of time on the feet yeah. over the course of the year. So, um, okay. We've, we've, Hinted at this several times now throughout the conversation, but your run streak did come to an end in January of 2021, and it was not by choice. Can you tell us the circumstances that led to your the end of your run streak? Yeah, well, you know, kind of ironically, like I, it was uh, Christmas Day '89 was the last day that I I took off from running, and I, I did, you know, it's funny I didn't even think about it until you know we started talking today, but it was uh, Boxing Day actually of. Uh, uh, 2020 that, uh, I started feeling some pain in my calf and it just didn't feel right. And, uh, I went into the hospital, emerged, got checked out. Uh, it just didn't feel like a normal, um, like I've had a lot of Achilles or calf strains and it just didn't Mm -hmm. feel like that. It was kind of throbbing. So they, they checked and they, they did a D dimer test on me, um, a blood test and it was elevated. Um, and one of the, um, you know, things that could cause that is a blood clot. And, uh, well, they, you know, they, they scanned my leg, didn't see anything. So they sent me home from the hospital and said, keep an eye on it. Uh, nothing we can tell your D dimer was elevated, but, uh, you know, no sign of a blood clot. So, uh, go home and come back if it gets worse. So, um, I guess it was about three weeks later. Um, I had a follow-up with my doctor, I guess, and it was actually just during COVID times and, uh, um, you know, no vaccines or anything. So we weren't doing in-person, uh, appointments, but, Mm. you know, I talked to her and she was, um, she said that, uh, just keep an eye on it. If it gets worse, you know, check in with me again or, you know, go, going to emerge and, uh, and then she called me back later and she said, no, it just doesn't add up. You need to go in there now. And, uh, mm. I knew at that point that something was wrong. My breathing wasn't great. Um, but I mean, I'd been sick earlier, um, not COVID, but had been, you know, not feeling well. And so I didn't know, but I went in and, uh, I got progressively worse and, uh, they, uh, they, you know, I was in the hospital or when I was in emerge, they said, yeah, you've got a, um, it's moved to your lung. You've got a pulmonary embolism, and then uh, mm. uh, it was kind of a weird feeling. I mean, going in there, and uh, you know, my wife Sarah dropped me off, and uh, just seeing her pull away from the hospital, she wasn't allowed to come in because you know, no vaccines or anything. Right. And uh, so that was uh, a pretty strange feeling. But um, yeah, so I was. They admitted me into the hospital, and I was in there for a week, and uh, on heavy dose of blood thinners and uh that's kind of <laughs> how that played out so uh you know I knew that uh, on that day that I went in I'd ran the day before I went into the hospital and uh I knew at that point that there was something wrong it just mm-hmm. didn't feel right and uh 
but I mean, you don't know for sure. And you think, well, maybe it's just, you know, a, yeah, you know, cold or something or whatever, but right. uh, um, yeah, something was definitely wrong. And my breathing was very, very labor labored and uh, I had a pretty hard time breathing by the time I was in the hospital and uh, yeah. So realized what was going well, on. Good for you for going because we all know what can happen in the next stage. So it's, it's, good that you got it treated how did you feel you know in in that next week you know one can assume that you felt grateful for your life but at the same time was there you know some grieving as part of um not running yeah it was it was a pretty weird feeling because I I was like in the emerge room and I guess it was about 11 30 at uh um and I still hadn't gotten a, a room in the hospital yet. So, um, they were still trying to find me a room to take me up. Um, and I was texting with Sarah, my wife, and uh, just saying, well, I guess my running streak's over. So just kind of, you know, jokingly. And it, so even then, it did kind of cross my mind. And I mean, at that point, I mean, I knew going into it that, uh, you know, setting foot in the hospital, that it was probably, you know, I, I was probably not going to be yeah. able to run. Um yeah. But, uh, so yeah, so they wheeled me up into the room and of course I was there for a week and, uh, it felt kind of strange. I've had people ask me if I thought about going for a run and it was just like, <laughs> yeah, there was, there was no way. I mean, I, I couldn't breathe. So I knew it was over. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, so, uh, so I was, the decision was almost, well, the decision was taken out of your hands, right? Like it was just a, a no brainer. Like, of course you're not going to go for a run. So did that make it? how do I phrase this? Like, did that make it easier to come to terms with in some ways? Yeah. And you know, I never thought about it before. I sort of thought that, uh, I kind of was thinking going into it that if the running streak was going to end, I wanted to to sort of end on my terms and think, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to get to, you know, 30 years. And then when I got to 30 years, you know, you get to 35 or 40 or whatever that number is. And then it would be like, okay, I'm going to call it. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, looking at it after the fact, I don't know if I would have been able to do that on my own right. if uh, this hadn't happened. So in some sense, yeah, maybe it uh, it was a little bit easier because I mm-hmm. had no decision to make. So uh, Right. It's very ironic to me that, you know, you talked about hockey and how you got into running. Running gave you more of a sense of control and power over your own fitness. And then at the end of the run streak, it was the exact opposite. You had to yeah. give up that control. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it's, not that uh, running is 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 running over for you. Like, are you still running now? Or were you able to return to running in in some way since? Oh yes, yes. I've. Uh, I mean, the first. Let's see. I got out of the hospital in. Uh, I can't even remember the day in February. Uh, my first run was about a month after that. I think I'd done a walk jog. Mm-hmm. I'd started doing some snowshoe hikes and um, and they were just, I mean, the first, you know, walk that I did, I was like 10 minutes and I, you know, I could barely move and, um, you know, I had to stop, you know, regularly and I was walking with, you know, I, I felt like a million years old, but, uh, um, but you, you eventually start feeling a little bit better. And I mean, I've got lung damage. I mean, it was uh, part of my lung has been, um, is scar tissue. It'll never repair. Right. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's always going to be a little bit weak, but, uh, 
I was able to get back to doing some running in March and then I built over the past year and a bit um, and was getting in some longer runs again. And then I had a bit of a setback in the, this past September, um, some pain in my chest and, uh, and back and whatnot. And I was kind of worried about the, uh, the lung again, but uh, um, it's, uh, it's checked out fine. And uh, I've started running a little bit more again and did a couple hours the other day for a long run and uh i'm, I'm running most days i'm running probably 45 minutes a day um, maybe five to seven days a week and days that i don't run i'm getting in some mountain biking or fat biking and i'm really enjoying that too so okay okay well it just occurred to me as you were talking that again you when you were introduced to running it was that you know like kim said that sense of control and that um maybe like progress, like it feels so good when you keep getting better and better at something. And I have to think maybe also on some level, as you're returning, as you return to running after this, what I have to imagine is it was a drop in fitness after the, the event that again, you go out that for that first day for 10 minutes. And then you now you can go for 20 minutes and 30 minutes and you can go faster and maybe you don't have to put the walks in. Was there ever kind of that reminiscent from the very first time that you uh, discovered running? Was there any like similarities to like the trajectory of how you improved when you uh, took it up again? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, probably from the sense of enjoying it. And when I started feeling a little bit better, and getting out in nature and, you know, I've always felt that, you know, a run doesn't really, you don't really start feeling good in a run until, or at least I don't, until you get to about 40 minutes in. And then it's just like, okay, if you're going to have a, if you're going to have a good run, uh, things start clicking at 40 minutes and it's just like, ah, oh, this is awesome. And uh, it's like that fix that you get, eh? So it's... uh it me yesterday. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> so um, when I got up back up to that point, it just, uh, it felt pretty good. I mean, I was still having a hard time breathing. Some of the hills, like, you know, I couldn't really run up. I mean, you're sort of power hiking. But, you know, on a flat rail trail, I was able to, uh, you know, what kind of resembled a run. And I would be like, Oh gosh, the first few runs back, I was probably running a, a one or two minutes per kilometer slower than what I would normally, but mm-hmm. that eventually mm-hmm. improved and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, sort of getting back into a little bit better place. And I'm, you know, I'm not going to have my, you know, VO2 max that I once had, but right. Uh, right. that's not what I enjoy anyways. I re- enjoy getting out in nature and running the trails each day. So, you know, so I'm okay with that now. Right. Okay, well, I find this topic very, very fascinating, and I think we could talk about it all day. Do you ever get sick of talking about your run streak? Because it's such a big part of who you are. Like, are you just like, oh, gosh, here we go again. They're going to be ask me all the same questions that I've been asked a million times, or is it kind of exciting still for you to talk about it? Oh, gosh. Well, it's kind of neat looking back on it now, because, I mean, to, perfectly, to be perfectly honest, I talked about a, a little bit after the streak ended, but then, uh, you know, I haven't really thought about it as much because I'm, I'm not in the middle of it right now. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's kind of neat to, to look, look back and reflect on it a little bit now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, talking to you both here. So, uh, yeah, no, so it's fun. Okay. Well, let me, let me ask one final question then to put a bow on the run streak before we move on to your snowshoe, uh, series. But what have you learned the most about yourself through the run streak going on for so long and stopping abruptly, unexpectedly? Hmm. 
That's a good question. I don't know. I, I, I think just that, I mean, just appreciating each run, just enjoying getting out there and just seeing what you see in nature and, you know, whether it's, you know, a barred owl on the trail or, you know, deer, coyotes, whatever. Um, and I, I've always enjoyed that, but I think I appreciate that just that much more right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, uh, you know, just getting that fix on the trails and, uh, you know, just enjoying being out there. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's wonderful. And, uh, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad to be able to back, be back doing what I, what I am right now for sure. Exactly. Yeah. There's so much beauty all around, right? If you just look for it and so much gratitude for what our bodies can do as well. Right. So, okay. Well, I mentioned this at the beginning, but you put on a amazing snowshoe race series in the winter and that is still going on, I believe. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the Dion snowshoe uh, race series and, um, what you think it is about snowshoeing that benefits a runner so much? Well, it's, uh, I mean, I got into snowshoe running um, back, oh gosh, 2005, 2006, maybe. Uh, and uh, I just loved it because, I mean, I've always loved the trails and we would run on the trails in the winter and you're going through deep snow and, you know, knee deep snow and stuff. And it's just like, you found out about snowshoe running. It's just like, wow, this is incredible. You can, uh, run the same trails in the winter or you can, you know, run out on lakes in the winter on your snowshoes. And, uh, it's mm-hmm. just such a blast. And then started, you know, discovering snowshoe races and, uh, it's just, they're, they're so much fun. It's just the next mm-hmm. extension to, uh, you know, to trail running and, uh, yeah. just, just a blast. So, uh, you know, we started, uh, offering some snowshoe races here I'd done some in Quebec and uh, I'd done some in uh, um, the U.S. But uh, we started offering some uh, snowshoe races here, and it sort of built the series up from there. Um, right now we had uh, we have six races scheduled in Ontario for this year for the the Dion series. And this is a bit of a scoop for you, but uh, and it's not finalized yet, but it hasn't Yay. been announced. But uh, we're you trying to make it here first, folks. <laughs> Absolutely. So breaking news, but uh, it's sounding yeah. like we're looking at having a national, uh, the Dion National uh, Snowshoe Series. So uh, mm. the Canadian Canadian Snowshoe Series. So we've got six races in Ontario. Mm. We're looking at a couple of races in Quebec, possibly one in BC, possibly one in the Yukon. Um, so we're mm. uh, that's what we're we're looking at right now. So it's pretty exciting. We've uh, you know, trying to build up the sport that much more. And I mean, the ultimate goal is to get snowshoe running into the Olympics. It just makes so much sense. <gasps> wow. So uh, yes. we need more, more countries, you know, more governing bodies uh, recognizing yeah. the sport. And right now, I mean, there's, wor- there's world championships. Uh, there's U.S. championships. I've run in the U.S. championships a couple of times. They allow Canadians to run and uh, they hmm. put on a fantastic job. So we're trying to sort of, you know, take what we've learned from that and bring it into mm. Canada for our series. And uh, yeah, no, so it's uh, it's pretty exciting. We're uh, we're looking forward to it. It's going to be a great winter. 
Excellent. We'll be very interested to hear more about that. And I'm sure we'll, we'll link in our show notes to your race series if anybody wants to check mm-hmm. them out. Before we, we wrap this up, we wanted to loop back to what Carolyn mentioned in the beginning about how you have adventured with one of our recent guests, Ray Zahab. And although this podcast is about you, we know that some of the adventures that you've done with him are quite epic, um, including a trip to Baffin Island, uh, which not many people have done. So can you just like briefly summarize for us why you have um, chosen to do some big expeditions and then maybe what some of your most favorite or memorable ones have been? Oh, well, the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the first one that sort of pops up, I mean, I've I've always liked the, the cold weather races and, uh, you know, from you know, running in Northwest Territories to the Yukon. I've done the Yukon Arctic Ultra a couple times. And, uh, okay. But, uh, you know, I had the opportunity with Ray to, uh, I mean, he knows how much I, I love the Northern races. We've been good friends for a number of years now. And um, right. I've helped out with Impossible to Possible. And, uh, but uh, so he invited me to go to Baffin Island with him to run across the Akshayak Pass. Um, we flew into Kikatarjawak. And then we chartered a, a boat to the top of um, to the top of the pass. We had to go in by boat to uh, to the start and ran the pass from from the top to the bottom of Baffin Island um, to near Pangertung. And uh, then we got had to get picked up by a boat to uh, to take us back to Pangertung and fly out. But uh, it was just spectacular. It's just a, it's a hundred and ten kilometer section of trail. Very, very remote, of course. Skirts the bottom of Mount Thor, which is like the highest vertical, like five thousand feet from top to bottom in the world. Wow! Um, just and you're Thor. just standing. That's a good name. Oh yeah, you're just looking at you know you're at the bottom of this and looking straight up, and it's just like sheer cliff, like a just a rock wall. And it's, it's just, like Game of Thrones wall. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's just spectacular. So uh, having the opportunity to do that with Ray was uh, was pretty was pretty great. We did it in September, so we didn't have uh, you know severe winter conditions or anything. It was cold, but uh, but it was uh, it was just amazing. I mean, even going in like the boat ride into the top of the pass and being dropped off, you know, a few minutes before we were dropped off at the start we went along the shoreline and we actually saw three polar bears and uh, in the wild. And it's just like, we're looking at the polar bears and then we can see actually where we're going to get dropped off. And it was, uh, it was a pretty weird feeling, but, uh, but yeah, we knew it. The further that we get inland, uh, the less chance we'd have of a polar bear encounter. That's got to spike the old heart rate and <laughs> blood pressure. Oh yeah, yeah. We were we didn't want to stick around the shoreline for too long. We got moving pretty quick, and oh. uh, but it was uh, it was a, it was a great run. It was uh, you know just the scenery and just the remoteness of it was was spectacular. So that that's by far one of my favorite uh, running memories for sure. Mm. And these are some of the gifts that your run streak has given you, right? Like that streak gave you, it wasn't just about the streak. It was about the fact that you love to run. You maintain consistent fitness for years that enabled your body to do some pretty amazing things and your feet to take you to some pretty amazing places. Am I summing that up accurately? Absolutely. Yeah. Just having the opportunity to do that. And, you know, just a a few other, uh, I mean, guiding some expeditions with Ray too, with the impossible to possible, uh, 
uh, youth experiential learning programs. We went to, uh, I helped guide uh, a group of the, the youth ambassadors in Peru and then in Greece as well. And I mean, Peru was just spectacular. Just being, you know, one section, you know, we're running through the Andes, next section, you're in the jungle. And uh, it was just, mm. just wild. But uh, it, it, was, mm. it was pretty interesting. Wow. That, I just can only imagine how many stories you have that we haven't had a chance to cover tonight, but we'll, maybe we'll just have to have you back. How about that? Sounds good. Sounds <laughs> um, good. Okay. Um, before we get into our, our quick rapid fire questions that we close with, what is next for you? Do you have anything on the horizon, running, adventure, or otherwise that you're looking forward to? Well, I mean, right now it's, I mean, I'm still sort of trying to get stronger in my recovery after my pulmonary embolism and, uh, I have a ways to go still. I mean, I, I, over the summer before I had a bit of a setback in September, I was able to get up to over just over three hours of running again. And it didn't feel particularly great, but it, uh, felt good to be able to do it. And now I think I've recovered enough and, the cool temperatures seem to not affect my bad lung as much as the heat and humidity. So I'm kind of hopeful to be able to do some uh, winter projects again. And I'm not sure what that will look like. I mean, I've, I've still got a few ideas tossing around in my head. I'm not sure if I'll be able to be ready for them this winter. But, uh, you know, some end-to-end winter adventures on some trails, that type of thing would be... Uh, mm-hmm. you know, definitely be what I'm looking at uh, in the future for sure. Well, that sounds awesome. Um, thank you so much for chatting with us this evening, Derek. And oh, I'm so you. glad that you're back to running. Um, mm-hmm. We would like to ask where people can find you. And I do know that you have a running store there in Ontario. In fact, before the show, I was talking about how I just put two and two together last week that I've been ordering S caps from you for decade, like maybe a decade. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I get all this Spafford emails and I'm like, it's that, that's Spafford. Oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> so tell us a bit about your store and if people want to sign up for your races, like where can we connect with you? Yeah. The best, the best way to go is, uh, is check out healthandadventure.com, healthandadventure, all one word.com. And, uh, that's uh, that will get you to my site for my online store. I mean, a big part of it, especially this time of year, is uh, Dion's running snowshoes. But I also have traction devices like the Catula spikes and you know other gear for uh, for running as well. But uh, you can also find out about our uh, snowshoe series of races there, and uh, and our, our you know the coaching aspect of the business as well. I've got uh, a few a few other coaches working with me now too to help out in that department. So. Yeah, so that's the best spot. And then the social media is connected through there as well with Facebook and Instagram. Okay, perfect. We'll link all of that up in the show notes. Now, just going back to the snowshoe series for a second, I know that I've worked with runners, like even new runners, and they're very drawn to the the snowshoe series. So it's, it's good for beginners too, isn't it? Can you tell us a little bit more about like when you connect with the people that do your races, what do, what are you hearing from them about what they love so much about racing snowshoes? Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty great feeling to, if you've never done it before, to think of going out and running. Most of our races are very 
manageable distances, uh, quite often in the six, six kilometer range, which of course it could take you a little bit longer than normally six K on the road or on the trail, uh, depending sure, on the snow I'm conditions, sure but, uh, but it's, uh, it's, it's just such a neat experience of the winter. And I mean, what could be more Canadian than running on snowshoes in the mm-hmm. winter? I mean, that's, it's just awesome. But, uh, but to answer your question, I mean, we have, we've had world champions, uh, show up at our races before, but we've also had people that walk the entire distance. A lot of people, I mean, people are going to fall somewhere in the middle where they walk, jog, it's, uh, you know, it's open to everybody and it's a very welcoming uh, uh, environment too. So we, we love to see people out just enjoying it. And each of the races we try to hold in a different venue that's uh, unique and beautiful, uh, you know, beautiful trails. So, uh, you know, that's another mm-hmm. in- incentive to get out there too. And if people don't have their snowshoes, we have rental, uh, rental fleet available oh, okay. for most of the races. Excellent. So for $10, $10, you can rent a pair of snowshoes for the day. And, uh, and give it a try if you don't have your own. So it works out pretty well. And uh, just love to see people out there. All right, Derek. Um, we close each of our episodes, or many of our episodes, I should say, with five rapid-fire questions. And I know you're prepared. Are you ready? Sure. Far away. Okay. Number one, what is your favorite running mantra? Uh, it's, it's funny because when I was used to race on the roads, I used to overstride a little bit. So one of the things I started doing was counting my footsteps to try to improve my turnover. So I would just count the number of strides in a minute and try to improve on that. Um, not really a mantra, but uh, it, yeah. it kind of worked in that sense. But then when I got more into longer distances, I would always use the uh, phrase strong, brisk, fast, and light. And those I would just ah, keep repeating. I like that a lot. And yes. I don't think we've had that one before. May have to steal that for my marathon next weekend. <laughs> please do. Please do. Okay. Wonderful. All right. Now we know from this discussion that we that you've run in some very beautiful places. Do you have a favorite place to run? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, a lot of the races I've done are in places that I just love and I feel very fortunate to have run. But even just around here, we have access to a really good trail network, snowmobile trail network. But my favorite place to run, I'll quite often drive an hour north of Yarker to uh, um, the Addington Highlands area. And uh, there's a place, there, there's some crown land near Shabomika Lake that uh, this older gentleman has cut these trails and hardly anybody knows about. Um, but uh, they're just gorgeous. And I never get tired of running these trails. They're just spectacular. Awesome. So now that you're back to running again, do you have any races on the radar? Do you have a bucket list race that you still haven't done? Or maybe I should say expedition? Yeah, um, there are a few races that I mean, I I said before that I'm probably leaning more towards expedition stuff. But there are some races that I would like to do. Um, I've done Yukon Arctic Ultra a couple of times. And they have a sister race in Lapland. And uh, I would love to go to Lapland and uh, run a winter. Where is Lapland? Uh, Sweden. Uh, it's oh, in Scandinavia. Sweden. Yeah. Oh, okay. There, there, there are actually a couple of races there that I would love to do. There's one that takes in a part of Sweden, Finland, and uh, um, Sweden and Norway, and uh, it would be pretty neat mm. to do. But the one in Lapland really appeals to me. Mm. Wow. Intriguing. Very cool. Yeah, I know. I'll have to write that one down. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay. Do you have a favorite running book or movie? 
Oh, uh, well, for a book, you can't call yourself a runner if you don't say that uh, Once a Runner is your favorite yes. running book by John L. Parker. <laughs> um, that's, I mean, I used to read that once a year. But uh, yeah. since wow. then, when I got more into the expedition stuff, uh, there's a book by Mike Horn called uh, Conquering the Impossible. And oh, yeah. he, I don't know if you know about Mike Horn, but he um, did a trip. It was 27 months where he went all around the Arctic Circle. And uh, he's done like North Pole, South Pole expeditions. But uh, but that one is is just by far my favorite book, probably. Good selections. Okay. Our final question. Do you have a favorite post-run indulgence? Hmm. Well, that would have to be a good craft beer. And uh, yeah, we're pretty lucky. We've got some good. Uh, and it's funny, we were just up to Sherbet Lake the other day, and uh, we did a run club from a brewery from uh, you know the Kick and Push Brewery up there, and they have a new uh, stout called the uh, Snowshoe Oatmeal Stout, and uh, they're going to be sponsoring one of our races. So uh, it's uh, it's my particular favorite right now. So yeah. Ah, oh, lots hey. of great ideas in that rapid fire. Okay, Derek. Well, you have more than lived up to your amazing reputation. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us tonight. It was very fascinating to hear all about the run streak. And uh, we just want to thank you for your incredible contribution to the running community over all of these years. Keep up all your great work. Oh, thank you so much. It was so nice talking to you and uh, meeting you both uh, officially now. So that's great. Thank you. Thank you.